Hi, this is Austin Anderson. I'm the lead pastor of Tekoa Church. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Tekoa Church exists to see people connect to God, to find and live out their purpose. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. Well, good morning, Tekoa Church. If we have not met, my name is Pastor Austin. I'm the lead pastor here at Tekoa. If we've not met yet, I would love to meet you after service in the coffee lounge. We have a hangout there, um, and I look forward to meeting you. Before we jump into my message today, I want to make time for a couple things at the the space at the beginning here. Uh, The first thing I want to make space for is our giving. This is part of our worship that we do each and every week here at Tekoa. Um, And part of that is giving back to God. We acknowledge that everything we have comes from Him. And we trust Him with our finances, not just certain parts of our life. We trust Him with all parts of our life. This is something my family does each and every week, and it's something we've seen Him be faithful with. When we say we know that if we trust you with everything, that you have more for me than if I just try to keep everything for myself. God. And so if you want to participate that way this morning, you can do that online at any point during the service, or there's some boxes by the doors you can do at any point or on your way out today. I'm grateful for your generosity in our church and in our community. I'm going to share more about that in just a minute here. Um, But I also want to share, the second thing I want to share about um, before we jump into our message today, um, is I want to just mention for a minute, I know on Friday the Supreme Court made a decision, and there's a lot of people that are excited about that, there's a lot of people that are a little frustrated by that, and I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that as a church. And part of that even comes from the message I preached last week was about our response matters in life. And our response matters when we mess up or when we're in different situations. But I think even in in, at times like this where we didn't do anything, but in fact in California probably not a lot's going to change for us out here. Um, But our response in this situation to those around us and to our city and our community and our country, that response definitely matters because The world is looking at the church even in a time like this. And, you know, as a church, what I want us to be known for is the things that we are for. Now, we are definitely, and me personally, like I am definitely for life. And I'm for the life of babies. I'm for the life of mothers. And we are for life. But what I want us to really be known for as a church is that we are for lives. And it's why, as a church, we are here to save the lives of the people in our city, uh, not just for now, but also for their eternities. And it's why we're here to stand up for those in need and support those that need support. It's why when we're confronted with our response, and I was confronted with our response at the end of this week, I thought, what do we do here? What do we communicate online? What do we communicate on Sunday? And I thought about it, and as I was praying about it, and I was thinking, you know, this is a time for our response to matter. And what are our actions in the middle of this? And so I thought one of the actions, one of the things that we can do as a church, um, because of both stepping out a little bit in faith and in a response to how you guys have been generous with us, one of the things we can do um, is that we can give generously as a church. And so one of our partners is Foster the City. It's an organization that helps provide homes for kids that need a home and helps raise up families and support those families that will care for kids in need. So one, as I thought about our response, one of the things 
um, we're going to do as a church this week um, is give $2,000 to foster the city to help those that are in need in our community. Right? Our response church matters, and it's one of the things we do. We are there to support those in need, and we care about all our lives. And I want to just mention one last thing on that. If that's something you're interested in at all, is in, in, and God might be stirring something in you of caring for those in need, especially kids in need, um, we in August are going to have an interest meeting. Whether you might want to be a foster parent, maybe you're like, that's a little crazy. But you also could be somebody that supports a foster family. We raise up people that will come around them in a difficult time. Um, and so in August, we're going to have an interest meeting around that. So come just mention it to me or send me an email, um, and I'll get you the details um, if you want to at all find out more on that. But as we jump into our message, would you guys pray with me? We're going to pray for Foster the City, we're going to pray for our country, and we're going to pray for our time together this morning. God, we come to you, God, and you are the God that brings dead things back to life. You are the God of life. You are the God of miracles. God, I pray and I thank you for our time together this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to move. I pray that, Lord, I'm grateful that you've already raised up some interest in our church to say, hey, we want to do something with our lives and we want to help support children that are in need in our community. I thank you that we can support them financially, that we can support them practically with families, and I pray that you would be raising up even more in our church, and I pray that you would be blessing foster the city as they seek to care for those that are close to your heart, God, those that are in need and those that are vulnerable. God, I pray for our time together. May you, may you speak through me this morning, Holy Spirit. Give me your words, and I pray that we would all be here to hear them, and we would step out in bold faith. God, I pray that you would move today. You have a message for this church and those that are here. May you move powerfully. Amen. Give me a second here. All right, well, we are in our Second Chances series, um, and I, I'm excited about this series. I think it's a series that's close to God's heart. Last week, I talked about, right, our response matters. We've been talking about um, and looking especially at how God gives us second chances. It's, not, it's never over with God. There's always more that he wants to give us. He always, there's another opportunity because he loves us, he cares about us, he wants to give us another opportunity. This week, as I was praying about my message, God brought me, after a long time of prayer, to a, a section of Scripture in Mark that we're going to look at. And I was reading it, and I was like, God, I, I don't feel like there's a second chance as much for us in there as there is a second chance for God. What I want to talk today is flip it a little bit and how sometimes we need to give God a second chance. Because we walk away too early. Sometimes we give him a second chance because we settle for better when God wants to do more in our lives and we're just okay with that. Or we're frustrated he didn't give more so we walk away from him. And it wasn't that he wasn't working. It wasn't that he didn't want to move in your life or do something for you. It's that we gave up before he was finished with the work. Sometimes we need to give him a second chance. We need to come back to him for more instead of being content with the little that we got from him or what we have. We can't be overly upset. We didn't get what we wanted because we left too early. And sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes God is moving in a way that takes time for him to finish his work. He says, you didn't allow me to finish my work. He says, the payment for sin was accomplished on the cross. Matter of fact, those were the final words of Jesus, right? It is finished. It is accomplished. There's nothing more that needs to be done with that. Your relationship, if you put your faith in Jesus, is restored for all eternity. But there is still a work that God wants to do in your life as you work out that salvation, it's you continue to do and let God do the work that he wants to do in your life. 
the healing work of God, the building up work of God, the faith building work of God that he does in our life often takes time. Matter of fact, it's something that will probably be the rest of your life working out. And we need to not give up, church, before he is finished. We need to not give up and settle for a little bit better and walk away with that or just be content with that, but keep pressing in and allow him to complete the work that he wants to do. As I was thinking about this, I was, we lived in Costa Rica and I was, I was thinking about this situation there. I don't know why I got started talking about this story with and thinking about it this week with somebody, but we lived in Costa Rica, and cars in Costa Rica are really expensive. If anybody's frustrated with the cost of a vehicle right now in the pandemic, in Costa Rica, before the pandemic, the average price of a vehicle was twice what you would pay for the same vehicle here in the U.S. And so my wife and I, after we got married, we moved there as missionaries, and, you know, small budget, so we got this 20-plus year old off-road SUV. You can see it there. And I mean, it was abused, but that thing was functional. I kind of had like a a love-hate relationship with that vehicle because it did, it broke down at times. It was a manual. It could barely go over 50 miles an hour, but it didn't give up either. It literally brought us up a river, like driving up a river and across to a hidden waterfall. It brought us to um, the village we lived in down the dirt bumpy road and across rivers and, and up the mountain to where we lived and through the mud and that thing didn't give up. As we got a little bit of a time for, to show some um, to show my parents actually around the country, right? It brought us up to the mountains in the cloud forest of Monticello. It brought us down to the beaches of Manuel Antonio and we got to see sloths and animals. It brought us everywhere. It brought us to one of the coolest places I've ever been that almost nobody in Costa Rica goes to because it's so difficult to get to and you need a four-wheel drive vehicle. Um, It brought us to um, Rio Celeste. This is not a photoshopped picture. The water is really that color. It's this unique phenomenon where two rivers come together and you can see it there. We hiked to this place where the waters mix and they it literally changes. It looks like somebody dyed it. It's like God's natural dye for the water as it changes color there. And that vehicle brought us there. But it was constantly breaking down as well. Our budget was tight. It was like literally $400 a month, not for a vehicle, like the total budget for food and housing and everything was like $400 a month. I remember the pain of a $40 oil change because it was 10% of the monthly budget. And so on this vehicle, when we bought it, the tires were very old, but tires are expensive. We, were, we looked into it when we got it because they, you know, would deflate sometimes, and it was like $400 per tire. And so the cheap fix for a tire is you plug the tire with a little, they plug it with a piece of rubber, and then the air pressure keeps the plug in the hole. And now our car had three different types of tires on it. Two of them matched They were off-road tires. One of them was an intermediate tire, and one of them was literally like a white-walled car tire on the front. But it it functioned, it worked. We had at least five plugs in every tire by the time we got to the end of our time in Costa Rica because, you know, we said it's 10 bucks to add a couple more plugs when the tires got flat and got some more holes in them at the service station. We'll just do the 10 bucks, and it's better, and that's okay. But we finally got to this point a week before we had to sell the car and move home. We were up in the mountains and we were driving around and another one of the tires went flat again. 
And it, it was memorable, right? Like I actually have a, that's the actual picture of the tire going flat and trying to fix it. And it went flat again, and I thought, and it was just at this point where it could not be plugged anymore, and so we had to shell out the money for two new tires, and we thought, we're going to sell it in a week, there's no way we're going to get the money back from these tires. Hopefully it helps a little bit of the resale value. But we, we slapped those tires on, or, or the shop did, and it, I, we just felt, I felt like for the week I had it, like, invincible. I'm like, I can drive down any road, I can go anywhere, these aren't going to go flat on me. I'm not like, every time I park and get out of the car, like, walking around to make sure they're all still inflated. Like, it was amazing, the, like, it had, the driving experience had transformed. And we finally actually fixed the problem instead of just temporarily plugging the hole. And life had, it got better every time we plugged the hole and it worked for a time, but it wasn't actually fixed. And when we finally fixed the problem, it was amazing what the experience was like with that car. And sometimes we get so caught up in the moment by the cost of really fixing the problem, really making it better, that we just settle for getting a little bit better. Or we think, you know what, better is enough, the cost is too much to really fix it, or what, let God, maybe a better way to look at it, the cost is too much to let God fix it, or really fix my life. And so it's a little bit better, and I'm content with a little bit better, I'm not going to give him my all because that costs too much. Or we blame God for not just gifting us a set of new tires. We're driving on them, we're going around through our life, and we're like, why, God, why don't you just gift the answer to me, and just, just, just take care of it. My message today is titled don't settle for better. Don't settle for better. Don't be like me where I was just like, it's a little bit better. We plugged them. It's good enough for now. Don't just settle for better. We're going to look at a few verses out of Mark. It's only five verses. So let me start by reading our scripture today in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22. And they came, Jesus and his disciples, to Bethsaida. Now, just quick note on that. This was a place where not too long ago it was a smaller village, and not too long ago there was a huge crowd of people listening to Jesus teach around this village, and they got hungry, and there was too many of them, so there wasn't enough food for them. So Jesus did a miracle called the feeding of the 5,000, where he fed all of these people with a miraculous sign. So this is the context of where this is taking place. And he's here again. He, he traveled more, did more teaching, more miracles, and he came back to this village. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And when he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village, and when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, the man, do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. He was honest with Jesus. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again a second time, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly and he sent him home saying, don't even enter the village, Bethsaida, that you just came from. Here's my first point today, if you're taking notes, is sometimes healing is a process. Sometimes healing comes as a process. Sometimes it's instantaneous, but sometimes healing, sometimes the work of God, sometimes the miracles of God come as a process. When I talk about miracles and the work of God, you know, today we're looking at the story of a blind man seeing, but the greater context of this is sometimes it's God healing our relationship with him and the miracle of that, that healing. Sometimes it's the miracle of him opening us our eyes and giving us wisdom. That's the miracle the disciples saw here. And sometimes it's the literal act of healing as we see here. 
But church, we can't give up in the process in the middle as it was just a little bit better. We can't give up, get, get frustrated like this guy couldn't be like, God, like, oh, I can see people now, but they're blurry. I'm nearsighted, but like, I'm so frustrated, God. Why didn't you do all of it? It's important along the way to acknowledge what God has done and say, thank you for what you've given me, but here's honestly how it is. I, I, I need a little bit more from you, God. I would like more from you. I'm going to be thankful for what I have, but I'm going to ask for more. I'm going to press in for more. This man seemed to have gotten slight vision. He went from, maybe he was completely blind, maybe he was just legally blind, because he at least kind of knew what a tree was so that he could compare a person to a tree. But it seems like he got, like, nearsighted. And he, like, could have just been like, okay, Jesus, like, thank you. They didn't have glasses back then, but, like, at least he's not, like, running into things anymore, right? He got partial healing. But Jesus asked him, and he responded to say, I see people, but they, they look like trees. That's not what I thought people would look like. And Jesus then finished the miracle. He wants a relationship. He led the man by the hand. This is the other thing to notice. He led the man by the hand out of the village. Now, he was blind, so he needed somebody to lead him out of the village. But I think it's important that Jesus himself was the one that led him. Right? Jesus had disciples. We saw that some friends brought the man to Jesus. There was plenty of people that could have led the man. Jesus himself entered and led the man. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to come and establish that relationship before he does the work that he wants to do in your life. And we need to be honest in the process as he was. And just as he led him by the hand, part of the healing process, there was some actions with that. The, one of those is touch was involved. It says he, he touched the man's eyes. It also, Jesus spit on his hands first before he did it. That's a little bit gross. I thought about taking Pastor Tim up here and spitting on my hand and putting it on his eyes so that y'all could have a visual representation and just remember, but I thought maybe that was going a little too extreme, so I just went uh, with describing it to you this morning. But sometimes there's something in there. There was often a physical action from the person doing the praying, Jesus, as well as the person receiving the healing, and that physical action is often a part of the healing we need to take from Jesus. Now for us, now, one of the most common things in the church is the laying on of hands. It's biblical. It's something the church often does. We lay on hands to have a physical touch, and it, it connects the faith of the person praying to the one receiving the prayer, and God moves often in that way. One of the other things we do as a church is we often anoint with oil. It's an outward sign of dedicating somebody to God. But there's a physical action even with it. This man had to come to Jesus in the first place. And some of us, I think, in the church, that's one of the things we do as well. We'll even, you know, have time. We're going to do it today. There'll be a time to receive prayer at the end of service. You know, we'll be in the back. The team will be in the back if you want prayer. And that physical act of saying, God, I'm going to have enough faith to get out of my chair, maybe awkwardly feel like it's a little bit awkward, go and receive prayer. That physical act is part of what God uses to bring the healing or the miracle that you need in your life, whether it's physical, emotional, all sorts of healing that he wants to do. And the last note I want to mention on this point about this healing, just to describe some of the different things that it is, and I want to make this note because I think it's really, really important. Faith is involved in the miracles of Jesus. Matter of fact, it's one of the two reasons probably that Jesus took the man out of the village because the village didn't have faith. And we see that elsewhere, that people didn't have faith. But what I want you to see in this miracle is the man's faith never changed. Jesus didn't partially heal him and say, okay, if your faith gets stronger, 
then you'll get healed, and I'll pray for you again, and you'll get healed. The only thing that changed before the partial healing and the full healing was that Jesus did it again himself. And so I think that's important, right? Sometimes maybe you've heard even in the church, like, oh, like, if, if you want to get healed, you need to have more faith. No, God meets us where we're at. He takes the amount of faith we have, and he works the miracle that he is going to work. We just need to bring the faith that we have, and Jesus will do the rest. And I, I've seen this in my own life, though, that sometimes healing takes a process. When I was younger, I found myself in Australia doing some ministry work in Australia, and there was somebody I was actually doing ministry work with. Her name was Laura, and I was doing ministry work with her, but Laura had been in an accident when she was younger. She grew up on a farm, and when she was younger, she got trapped between a cow and the wall, and her hips and bones got out of alignment to the point where, like, the doctor couldn't fix it and put them back. And she had been permanently, like, she could walk, she could do things, but she was, she could always feel it. There was sometimes pain involved, and she was actually, part of her ministry was doing dance for God, and she was forever affected by it. And so, one night after doing some ministry, she, we were praying, and she's like, you know what, I feel like I should ask for, for healing on this. I, I'm st- I've been stuck with this. It's hindering my ministry and what I want to do. I, I want to ask for healing. Would you pray for me? And I said, sure, I can pray. And so I laid hands on her, and we prayed for her, and I asked God to heal her. And we finished praying, and nothing changed. I was like, okay, God, we're, we're, we're still grateful. We're still trusting you. We still follow you. And so, you know, we went back home, and and then the next morning, we got up, and it was breakfast, and I, I saw her again, in, and she came over to me, and she goes, you never guess what happened last night. God woke me up in the middle of the night, and it took the whole night, but he started healing me throughout the night. And it was pa- there was a painful process as God realigned, and I can walk and dance and jump and run in a way that I've never been able to do for the last, I don't know, five, ten years, however long she had been stuck how she was stuck. And healing sometimes is a process. We can't just give up in the moment when God doesn't do it instantaneously. We need to continue to trust. And sometimes it takes even longer. Sometimes he moves in different ways, but we can't give up in the middle. Faith is a process. Sometimes, too, it's the miraculous healing. And sometimes it's other types of miracles that God wants to do in our life that come as a process. So my second point is our faith and relationship with God being built is the most important. Our faith and relationship with God being built is the most important. I wanted to make sure I said the same thing that I I typed on the screen there. That is the most important thing. Sometimes we get so focused on the need we have of saying, God, do this miracle for this need that we miss the bigger thing that he wants to do that's actually more important than the thing that's so on our hearts. This is what Jesus was after. The context of this miracle is this. So Jesus fed the 5,000 people here. I already mentioned that. And he goes and he does some other ministry. And right before this, he feeds 4,000 people in another place and does another miracle there, taking a small amount of food and multiplying it for the crowd. He does this miracle. And right after the miracle, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, come up to Jesus and say, hey, will you give us a sign? If you give us a sign, then we'll believe in you. And I, I have to believe Jesus is like, did you not just see what I did? How much else do you want from me? 
Jesus says, no, you don't get a sign to, to then have your faith. Matter of fact, later in Jesus' ministry, what he'll say to the religious leaders is the sign you will get is that I will go to the grave for three days and then raise back to life. And that should be enough for each and every one of us. So he says that to the Pharisees, and then he's teaching his disciples right before this story and talking about the, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the, the government leaders. And he's like, don't you see? Aren't your eyes open? And they don't get it. He, he talks about sight multiple times, and their eyes aren't opened. And then this miracle happens as he opens the sight of this man in a process, not just an instantaneous healing. And then right after this, he then goes back to the disciples and asks, asks them, who do people say I am? And then he asks the disciples, who do you say I am, disciples? And Peter is bold enough to say, you're the Savior. You're the Christ that we've been waiting. And Jesus probably thinks to himself, you're starting to get it. Your eyes are starting to get opened. And that's what he cared more about, not just the instant healing of somebody's problem, but starting to see their eyes open. But it was a process. It was even a process for Peter. This is literally the middle of Mark's gospel. Scholars will tell you that acknowledgement of Peter is when Jesus' ministry is split into two halves, before this and after this. But Peter still denied Jesus after this. Peter's face still had to grow after this. And it wasn't until much later that Peter became the rock that the church was built on. And sometimes, church, it's a process. And what God cares more is not just the instant specific thing, problem that we have, but he wants to build our relationship and he wants to open our eyes to the wisdom he has for us that is more important than the little, uh, the, the single thing in our life. And I think sometimes we skip over the miracles that God does that don't look like we think they look. Like it's not the miracle of healing a blind man, although Jesus still is doing that. He's still healing. And there's miracles that God might want to do in your life or the life of somebody around you that looks a little bit different, but it's still a miracle of God. One of my really good friends a long time ago when he was younger um, was involved with drugs and gangs in a really serious way in the Bay Area, actually. And he was involved in a really serious way. He walked away from his faith. He walked away from the church. He walked away from Jesus, and he, his life became about something different, so much so that he found himself in prison. And it was in prison that he came back to Jesus and met him again. And he said, you know what? I want my life to be different. I don't want it to be about me and money and power and just feeling good like it was before I went to prison. Jesus, I want to make my life about you. And the miracle in his life was not the instantaneous healing. The miracle in his life wasn't whatever it could be. The miracle in his life was a restored relationship with Jesus, and that was something to be celebrated. The miracle was the process that even still had to happen after that as his life got restored. But sometimes, church, the greater miracle is relationship restored with Jesus, not just the physical thing or need that we have that we're so distracted by. Sometimes we miss the greater miracle. Sometimes it's marriages restored, and that's a miracle that God wants to do. Because what a miracle is, is God doing something that only He can do. And if He wouldn't have intervened, it wouldn't have happened with, apart from His power. 
That relationship couldn't be restored apart from God's power. Sometimes it's the salvations of people. It's atheists coming to know God. It's sin habits changed in your life that you couldn't do on your own power. It's new opportunities at work that just seem to come even though you don't deserve it. It's a restored relationship with family members. It's things that only happen by the power of God and we need to give him the glory for the miracle that he wants to do in our life. Now, side note, it's not just like sometimes we say this phrase as Americans are in the church like, oh, the little miracles of God that he does every single day. Like, oh, the little miracle if he provided a parking space for me. Well, it's not a, it's still something to thank God for, right? I pray for parking spots when I go to like downtown San Francisco because they're hard to find. And I still give God thanks for it. And sometimes maybe the Holy Spirit guides me to one of those parking spots, but it's not a miracle unless God literally like picked up a car and like moved it supernaturally. It's just the provision of God. A miracle is him doing something that can only be done with his strength and power, not just something that we did ourselves. It's two different ways that God provides, but they're different. And I think discipleship is like this. Peter, Jesus wanted to give them more. He wanted to open their eyes, the disciples' eyes, and this is what he was really after. And they were just so focused, and so many of the people around them were focused on, you know, keep healing people, keep feeding miraculously right before this, right? The, the, the disciples think, oh, just like feed us more, Jesus. And sometimes we're just like, oh, just feed us more or, or, or provide for us, do the thing for us. And Jesus is like, what I really want for you is so much bigger than that. I want you to lift your eyes to something greater that I want to do. What he wants most is for the eternity, the entirety of our lives to be transformed. Not from just bad to good or from worse to better, but from death to life. Not just from fixing one problem in your life, but from trans to transforming your life. What he is after is our eyes being fully and truly opened. Not just in a literal sense, but in a spiritual sense. The miracle that he wants to do is actually greater than just the miracle of restoring the healing site. He wants to open your eyes. And it takes time. We're in our second chances series. You get a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance, and God always wants to give you another chance. But it's a process to see clearly, and he changes our perspective over time. My third point today is your community is important. Your community is important. I don't know if you caught this in verse 22, but the friends brought the blind man to Jesus and begged Jesus for healing on behalf of the blind man. They brought and begged. And sometimes this is our response. Maybe you're here today and what God is calling you to do is to bring somebody else and to beg Jesus on behalf of somebody else. Part of our role is to bring those that need the healing touch of Jesus to him. One of the easy ways to do that is just invite them to church so that he can meet them here in this place. But church, are you bringing as this man's friends brought? Are you begging in prayer on behalf of those that you care about? Saying, Jesus, I want you to heal. I want you to restore relationship. I want you to bring salvation to those that I care about in my life. The friends brought and the friends begged. Are you bringing, are you begging God on behalf of those you care about in your life? And the other thing that Jesus said to this man, he said, don't return to your village. He said, go home, but don't go back to your village. And I think there's something in that for us. Faith and following God, sometimes as the process, we need to wait for the miracle to be finished. But part of that process means things need to change in our life as it did for this man. He couldn't go back 
to the village and the community and the people that he had right before this miracle. He needed to have a complete transformation of his life. And I think, you know, his life needed to be totally different. He couldn't just go back to the old way of doing it. Sometimes I think about even, okay, like, it's like going to the gym and you go there and you only do bicep curls and you're wondering why, you know, maybe your arms are getting bigger but none of the rest of you is getting bigger. We've all seen, right, those people that like only have big arms and look funny, right? And, but if they were like, oh, why, why do I just have big arms and why can't I run more than, you know, 200 yards without being out of breath, we would say, well, you haven't let God fully, or you haven't fully transformed your life. It's a, it's a complete transformation. That's why as a church, even, you know, are you giving him all of your life for the process of transformation and the miracle that he wants to do to totally transform your life? Are you giving him it all, or are you just doing a part of it? That's why we have a community that's important. That's why we have Tekoa groups and the ability to be with other people. And sometimes we need people around us. And at Tekoa, if you want to make this your home, we say to do three things. The first is to attend our gatherings. You're in one of them now. But be here. Be fully a part of it to let God fully transform your life. Really be here and commit to being here. And if you never take the chance to be vulnerable, you never take the chance to get prayer, you don't take the chance to be a part of the 10-minute hangout after service, I know sometimes it's awkward to meet new people, sometimes it's awkward for me, but if you never fully you know, commit to that, you're only just doing the bicep curls. Maybe you attend every once in a while. You're not really letting God transform your life. Second thing we say is to get in a group. We're having our summer groups. They're just four weeks. They start in two weeks. You can sign up online on our website, but it's a group of people of building community. And we have two of them just for the summer. We have just a smaller amount, but they're right here. They meet here during the week, and it's time to build community and build your faith. The third thing is to build the church together. There are opportunities on Sundays, during the week. There's opportunities with our time, our talents, our treasures. We give and build the kingdom, and that's part of giving God all of our lives, and that's part of letting him transform us to be something different. We serve and build the kingdom both in our church and in our community. And we need to fully allow him to do this. Sometimes we need to leave the community that we were a part of, as this man did. He couldn't go back to his village. My friend that I talked about in that story, after he got out of jail, he saw his old friends, and then he said, you know what, I can't be, I need something different. You know, we still need to be friends with those outside of the church. That's how we minister to them. But sometimes we need to move on, and we're still holding on to relationships that God wants us to let go, and they're going to drag us back to our past. They were going to drag this man back to his past, and Jesus had healed him, and he wanted to finish transforming his life completely. It wasn't just the one miracle that he wanted to do, but totally transform his life. But sometimes we just, we're, we're going back, and it's dragging us back, and we need to move on. My last point this morning, I'll invite the band up so that I, you know, don't talk forever up here. My last point this morning is that miracles come from faith. Don't miss this, church. Don't miss this. Don't tune out now. Miracles come from faith. They come from the heart of God. They are usually not the cause of faith. Don't miss this. They build our faith as we see the work of God in others or in our life, but they are not the answer to your lack of faith. They build it, but we need existing faith. The man had to come in faith to ask for healing. God heals out of his heart. He loves us. He wants good things, and so he heals out of our heart. But we need to come to him first in faith. And Jesus is asking 
who do you say I am? He took the man out of the village out of, by his hand, maybe because the village lacked faith and he needed to bring him to a place where he could heal. But I think he also brought the man out of the village because he didn't want the village to follow him just because of the miracle. Because it would have been a false sense of worship. It would have been a false sense of following God. Because we don't follow him just so that we can get another miracle from him. We can get another provision from him. What God wants is our complete lives. He wants to bring us from death to life. He wants to totally transform us. And real relationship, real transformation comes from that relationship. Miracles, church, come from our worship and relationship. The worship church doesn't come from the miracle. The miracle comes from our worship. Let me say that again. The miracle, the worship doesn't come from the miracle. The miracle comes from the worship. We need to start with worship. We need to start coming to Him. They come from faith. They come because God's heart is to heal and love and care for. They come out of His relationship and His heart. It's something that He wants to do, but it's not just because He wants us to follow Him so that He can do another thing for us. Right before this, the Pharisees asked for a sign. Jesus fed over 4,000 people and it wasn't enough for them. The sign will not be enough for you. The miracle will not be enough for your faith if that is all you're waiting for. God wants you to come to him first and say, I believe. See, Jesus says it's not about signs for faith, but that signs and miracles come from faith. It's not about signs for faith. It's that faith, signs and miracles come from faith. The signs will never be enough. Jesus died and rose again three days later from the grave, and most people around still didn't believe in him. The sign is never enough. Miracles are never enough for relationship, but God does miracles because our relationship and because he loves us. What I want you to walk away with today, church, is that you shouldn't just settle for better in your life. God wants to totally transform your life, not just do a temporary miracle in your life. He wants to totally transform it. Don't just settle for better. He wants to heal you. He wants to build your faith. He wants to build your relationship with him. But sometimes, church, that's a process. And you need to commit to that process to be all in, to say, I'm going to be a part of your church and your community and your plan, God. And I want to see you totally transform my life, not just fix one problem that is right in front of me, because there's always, church, another problem tomorrow. And God is there to help us through those, and he does move. But what he wants first is our relationship. He's asking you today, as he asked the disciples, who do you say I am? What is your relationship status with me? And I want to leave you with three things, because I think when we think about miracles, if we only talked about one side of it, it wouldn't be complete. Because Jesus is moving in more than one way. The most important thing he wants to do is restore your relationship with him and God. That is the biggest miracle he can ever do in your life or anybody else's life. And if you haven't let him do that miracle in your life, he wants to do it today. He said, I did all I need. The debt was paid. The sin was paid for. Your brokenness was paid for on the cross. And I want to restore relationship with you. You just have to choose to trust me and follow me. If you want to make that decision this morning or you want to come back to him, like maybe you're like my friend and you say, you know what, I walked away, I turned my back, but I want to come back. I'm going to lead us through a prayer in a minute and you can have restored relationship with him. So the first one is relationship. The second one is that he wants to build your faith. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes God works not in the way that we would think, but he wants to build your faith and he cares more about that than he does about just fixing one little thing that may seem huge to you, but to him is so small. 
He wants to do so much bigger than that in your life. He wants to give you vision as he gave the disciples vision to see that, hey, their life could be about so much more. They could accomplish so much more. He wants to do more. And number three, I want to say this really clearly. Miracles are real and God is still doing them. Don't take everything I just said to say that, ah, well, all he wants to do is restore relationship. All he wants to do is build your faith. God is still the God of miracles and the Holy Spirit is still active and alive. He's still a God of healing. He's still a God of restoration. He is still a God that is moving. And we, church, believe that as a church. As we led into this summer, that was the thing I felt God leading me to seek Him on behalf. Our staff, our team has been praying for miracles in this place. We've seen Him do them and we know that He's going to do more because this is who He is. He is a God of miracles. And so I'm going to pray for us today. I'm going to pray if you want a restored relationship with Jesus, if you want Him to build your faith and open your eyes as He did the disciples, and then we're going to have a time of response. If you need a miracle in your life, I would love to pray for a miracle. Our team would love to pray for a miracle in your life. So would you pray with me? If you want to come back to Him, if you want a restored relationship with God, just echo these words in your heart. Jesus, I confess I'm not perfect and I need your help. I believe you died and rose again for me. I choose to follow you. I thank you for making that possible. And I want to pray right now as well for God to build the faith of our church and your faith and open your eyes to something greater that he wants to do. God, would you move in this place? Would you open our eyes? Would we see with your eyes and not our eyes? Would we see what you want to do in our lives? Would we not be distracted by the problem that's immediately in front of us? Would we not be content with just a little bit better in our lives, but that we would seek you for even more? Because you are the God of healing. You're the God of restoration. You're the God of faithfulness. You are a good God who wants to give good gifts to his children. God, may we see that. May we take whatever faith we have and come to you with it and just trust you to move. May we ask for more in our lives. May you open our eyes to what you want us to do. May you set us free for the purpose that you have called us to as you did the disciples. You said, what I want to set you free for is to do the purpose I have for you. And it's going to be so much bigger than you can even imagine or think. It's going to be so much better. You think this little problem in front of you is so big and so great, and if only that could be solved. And God says, yeah, I'm going to solve that, but I got something even bigger for you in the future. Open your eyes. Open our eyes right now, today, church. Amen. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us in a response song now. I'm going to be in the back, and I want to pray for some people this morning. Our team wants to pray for some people this morning. If you need physical, relational, emotional healing, your relationship with God, you name it, I want to pray for you, and we want to see God do some miracles in this place this morning. Would you guys stand right now as we respond in worship? The team is going to lead us. May it build our faith as we declare that this is a house of miracles. It's not about us. It's not about our church. It's about Jesus. May he build his house. He is the one that we want to come to, the one that heals, the one that transforms. We believe that God is not dead, God is not done. He is the one that heals. We don't just have to settle for better, but he is going to take us from death to life. Church, we believe this is his house, his church. May we declare that together. If you want prayer, we'll be in the back. May you declare this with him. This is a house of miracles. Thank you for joining us on the Tekoa Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and let God do the work only he can do. We hope it helped you wherever you are at in your faith journey. 
We want to connect with you if you're going through something difficult or looking to be a part of our church community. Fill out the Tacoa card on our Connect page, tacoachurch.org slash connect. While there, you can also see the most up-to-date information in the life of our church. A special thank you to those of you who give to Tacoa. Your sacrifice makes this podcast and our Sunday gatherings possible, as well as creates life change throughout the world. You can be a part of this by going to tacoachurch.org slash giving. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Until next time, blessings.